After Dark with Mark. Have you fucked up yet? Alright, welcome to another episode of After Dark with Mark. Today I received a friend of mine, which uh, he's from one of the the country where the greatest people are, Ireland. And I received my friend Declan O'Donoghue. Declan, thank you so much for doing this. Mark, it is a pleasure. Um, I'm honored to be asked to be on your wonderful podcast. I love listening to it. Now, the people from Ireland has the best accent ever. Man, how do you do that? Yeah, you know, it's, I love it. It actually opens a lot of doors for you. Uh, people just love our accent. It's, it's, it's been voted as a, one of the most trustworthy accents. Um, I suppose it depends where you come from in the world, but generally I think people feel very um, not intimidated by the Irish accent. It's quite melodic. Um, and we have a lot of music in our, in our past, in our, even in our politics, music and poetry has been instrumental, you know, in the formation of our, our history um, so I don't know. I mean, we speak like we speak like we're singing, and it's uh, it makes you very, yeah. I don't know. It's I just love it. I, I actually don't. I don't. Um, I, I don't uh, regret it. I, I don't wish for any other accent. I really love the one I have. So thanks for that nice compliment, sir. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love it. I mean, I know just by having you on the podcast, everybody wants to listen to it just because mm-hmm. of the accents. Just like, whoa, this guy, this guy speaks funny. This is what yeah. on this side of the world they're gonna say. But no uh, when you're coming from Ireland, this is, this is and, and it depends as well which area in the country, there's different accent as well from different village, right? For sure. Like in, in, the, whole, in the whole island of Ireland, there's 32 counties and we, every single county has a different accent. Now, the six of the counties are in, are in Great Britain, in Northern Ireland, and uh, the other 28 are, are, are uh, 26, I should say, pardon me, are in the Republic. And not only that, Mark, even when you get into one of those counties, you will notice regional accents within those counties. And there may only be, a, you know, 100,000 people per county, but you can know one guy's from a different village. It's, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah, so it's, we all speak the same to another country. It kind of sounds like we're just Irish, but I would know if somebody's from the middle of the country, the west of the country, from Dublin. Dublin's quite a unique accent. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we have we have a friend in New York that man, his accent is something else. Like I remember the first time I, and every time he's speaking, I have to ask him a couple times to repeat. And I'm pretty good as well with accent. Normally, when when someone is talking to me, and it doesn't matter where they're from, I'm pretty good at picking up if they speak English, of course, uh, what they're saying. Um, but in this, our friend Anthony has this like very thick, very difficult to, to follow. Where is he from exactly? He's actually from one of the counties uh, in the border between Ireland and Northern Ireland. It's called Monaghan. Yeah, he's, um, he's a really, yeah, I know his accent. Yeah, it's, it, it, is quite, it is quite different um, to mine for sure. I think also, Mark, I, I tone mine down a little bit because... Um, my parents had a guest house as I was growing up, so I learned to slow down and be a little bit more phonetic. But for sure, um, as unfortunately your listeners might have heard a call coming through there, but when I pick up the phone and start speaking to my own relations or family, any of my friends from the company I work with, they just think I've gone into speaking a different language, but it's, it's English spoken with an Irish accent, faster, uh, with a lot of uh, colloquialisms. 
Um, a little bit of bad language thrown in because it's just... <laughs> <laughs> That's just what Irish people do, right? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. I have a colleague, Maureen, and I think we were sitting up one night in the lobby and uh, one of our other colleagues, Tommy, he just said, like, you're this beautiful, angelic figure of, of femininity. And then she just comes straight out with an F-bomb. And it's, that's, that's Ireland, <laughs> for sure. I just love it. Now, yeah. when uh, we were setting up to get into this call, you, mm. were, you were just uh, mentioning, I mean, the, the signal was not proper. And, uh, and I asked you, like, if you could move. And uh, you said, oh, give me 10 minutes. I'll be at my parents' place. This mm. is one thing about Ireland as well. Everybody lives, uh, when, you, when you grew up, you pretty much stay where you grew up. Uh, there, is, there is this family bond which is there in, in Ireland. I want you to, to develop a little bit on that. Yeah, that's, um, it's interesting, Mark, that, that, that you noticed that because I've got five, five siblings, well, four siblings. There was me and four others. And I would, I would have thought if anyone was, was not going to live next to my parents, it would have been me. I was the the guy who just couldn't wait to turn 18 and get the hell out of here. You know, it's, it was too small town for me and all these type of ideas I had back then. But um, as circumstances changed over time, um, I did return home. Um, so, but it's true. People do live quite close to their, the place they grew up in. You know, I mean, in saying that in my little village here, there's a few hundred people and we, we, we lament the fact that we've lost a lot of people in the last 10 years. A lot of tradespeople leave here, young, young men and women, leave you know we've got a, the Irish people like if I don't know if you know this but Facebook and Google and all these uh, PayPal all these companies are based in Dublin so we've got our government um, put a high emphasis in the 90s on training the young people with information technology you know there's a lot of IT colleges so we have a, we attract a lot of uh, IT companies here because we have a workforce but these people soon um, elevate themselves out of these jobs and they go abroad for a better quality of life. So we've, we've lost a lot of um, migration and immigration has been a huge part of the Irish history. So we do also stay close to home, but we do, we do spread out all over the world, all over the world for sure. Everywhere you go, there's some Irish, you'll always <laughs> hear the accent in, this, in the most strangest of places. You know, you, we're never too far away from each other for sure. Now, your path have been... Uh you've been experiencing a lot of fuck ups <laughs> and I want you to help us out to fear because now you're one of the top consultant into uh, the company that you're working with. And, mm -hmm. uh, but it was not all, you know, warm and fuzzy and, and uh, has people see it from the outside world. You know, when you look at someone succeeding, you look at their path and then you just like, Oh my God, this one is lucky. You know, he's, he's having it all and, He's building this beautiful home and is having like, you know, he's traveling around the world, helping people, blah, blah, blah. But they haven't seen everything that have needed to happen to get there. So they only see the tip of the iceberg, but they, they don't see what is under the water. And uh, tell us what happened the past couple of years or where you were two years ago compared to where you are right now. Well, I had a smile on my face, Mark, when the when our connection wasn't working very well and I said, well, hang on for a second, I can go to my parents' house. I actually was, as I was walking over here, I had a smile across my face because I was like, this is exactly what was meant to happen. I mean, I'm in this home that has memories. Right now, my, my parents are away for the weekend, so it's lovely and quiet here to, to host this call with you. But this home is full of amazing memories of my childhood, but also I shed a lot of tears in this house, you know? It's not just the last few years. I mean, it was, I would say the first 35 years of my life was a huge learning curve, but 
for all the happiness I had, I, I was filled with a deep sense of, of sadness and longing for, for, for knowing that there was a lot more to me, Mark, you know, knowing that there was a, a hell of a lot more. Um, and the only person that wasn't giving myself the credit that I deserved was myself. Uh, I never knew what that was. And when I was 35, by this stage, I had two children. And all I heard from, just like, just like what you just said, I mean, you spoke so nicely about me in the last 90 seconds. I'm able to accept that now, only in the last couple of years. But prior to that, people were saying, oh, I, I've been an acupuncturist for 10 years. I've taken people's pain away with the skills that I've learned. And they've given me testimonial videos. And I sat there and watched them and said to my wife, well, what else would they say when you put a camera in front of them? So the minute someone would ring the doorbell, on would go this facade of happiness and confidence. And, you know, I used to be in, in teenage rock bands growing up and I always had a girlfriend. You know, I was, I was always in the dance floor in the nightclubs. Like I've never been shy, extrovert, comedian, joker, but that was complete facade, you know? So when you say uh, fuck ups, like I believed I was a fuck up. Like I believed I was, um, you know, a piece of crap that was eventually something was going to fall into my lap and life would have a meaning. But it was actually breaking point. I had two little kids, a beautiful wife, a, a woman that I fell in love with 19 years ago. And, you know, just really grateful that she's my wife. And I just, I was just beating up on myself, Mark, so much. I was like, you're used. And it wasn't me. It was what I've come to learn as my paradigm. For whatever reason, I accepted ideas as a child. Uh, I actually have come to learn, I probably won't share on this podcast, but I kind of came to learn where that came from in, in the last number of, uh, of months through some, some deep, deep work on myself. I was led to believe these ideas about myself that I held on to for 35 years. And it wasn't until I decided through the, the work that I do now by helping other people to unshackle themselves from their own, you know, rubbish thoughts that are not serving them. When I unshackled myself with the stuff that I was repeatedly telling myself, and instead swapped it for a whole new story, then that became the story that I believed in and it's become the life that I'm living right now. And it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah, I, I agree. People see probably a change and they see this big result, but they don't see, they don't know a clue what was going on prior to that. And maybe they will someday from a nice book or something like that, <laughs> you know? But, uh, but I, first, hmm. I, I remember the very first time we met we were talking and, uh, and you, that's, that's the day that like, you probably, you broke down and, and you were just like, you know, I don't belong here. I was mm. just like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Mm. You know, you, you there because you, you meant to be there and, and that's mm -hmm. it. End of the story. And, uh, and I gave you a compliment that, that time. And you were looking at me like, kind of like, fuck off, you know, almost yeah. like just don't, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. And you were just not accepting the fact that you belong with, with the group, which was there. Yeah. Like remember, yeah. how, how is this, how is this happening when, when you do have the results, you are there because you got the results and you still don't believe it. I can only answer this question, Mark, in the last few months, in the last few weeks, even because I, I just had the best uh, January and February that I've ever had in my life uh, from business point of view, from my marriage, from my life as a parent, my life as a son, as a brother. I've just had the best six weeks. I mean, I just can't describe how amazing life feels right now, but roll back seven more months to the month of May. I felt I was at the pinnacle of, of my life. You know, I had really, I had really rolled out, like I'd really put myself under a good pressure 
for about a year and a half or two years, I decided to, to take a little step out of my life as a therapist and move into the field of personal development. Uh, I admire Bob Proctor as uh, like Tony Robbins, various other people, but certainly Bob the most, because this man, like I said, 35 was the, was the turning point for me. Like I felt I was there one point, I was just going to start screaming in this house. I was living in with my two beautiful children. My wife was at work and it was breaking point. And I lifted up the laptop. I typed in positive mental attitude into YouTube. And there was all these ripped guys and girls and this perfect looking personas. But for some reason, there was this picture from the 1980s of Bob Proctor. And I was like, I wonder what that is. And I clicked on it. And I, I mean, I do believe somebody held my hand on the mouse and guided it towards that because that, like, that moment changed my life forever. This man spoke to my soul. You can have anything you want. You know, if you, you can, you, you're, you're the total sum of, what, of your thoughts. You, you've no control over your thoughts. The minute you take control over them, everything changes. Like it was almost like he spoke right to my soul. But the reason, to go back to your question, like I was in this room with this gentleman um, in that moment you first met me and I felt like a huge imposter, but it wasn't unlike my life up to that point. Everything that I set out to do, I've always achieved. In, in, I used to work in hotels. I became a manager straight away. I became a therapist. I became one of the best therapists straight away. I always achieved and then I felt completely 100% flat, non-deserving of the success and always seeking a higher um, always seeking a higher hit, seeking something different to fill this void that was just there all the time. I'm not good enough. I deserve, you know, I need more. And, and then when I would get it, it would still be I'm not good enough. So I actually, I remember that moment as well, Mark, and I'd forgotten that you said that to me till now. But again, it only re- the more the compliments you gave and the lady to our left, Karen, is just such an inspiring woman, the more compliments I got, the harder it became. I was saying thank you on the front, but inside I was, you know, you don't know the real me. Stop complimenting, just leave me alone. So that was the moment I decided to change the question I thought I wanted to ask Bob Proctor. And I asked him a different question. And he said, you're, you've told me exactly what's wrong. You're bringing your past into your present and always into your future. You're expecting this, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he goes, it hasn't served you to think this way, has it? And I goes, no. And then he said, it's actually gotten you to stop liking something about yourself, hasn't it? And I mean, this was like Rocky Balboa and freaking Apollo Creed both hit me flat in the chest, like pow. And I went to my room and I, and I, I cried and it was a life-changing moment last May, 2018. I just said, I, I finally understood what, what had been going on. I'd been, ex- I'd, been, I'd been dishing myself out the life that I was getting. And no matter what success I had, the pain was getting greater. And it, it was it, straight away, I went to a book that I'd received from Bob and as a man thinketh. And I went to the chapter where he says, a man is made by or unmade by himself in the armory of thoughts that he forges the weapons by which he destroys himself. But he also can fashion tools by which he will build himself heavenly mansions of joy and strength and peace. And I couldn't relate to that peace until, until that moment. And, uh, that was it. I knew I was, I just cried tears of sadness, became tears of joy because I knew I was, I was after really learning about my past and create, and I knew I could go and create the future that I'm now creating. Man, this, this is just beautiful what you're saying. So what you're saying basically is that anybody can make a choice, a conscious decision where that he says, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to change my life. Mm-hmm. And then make that can make that change and transform everything around because you said that at that time you you thought that you were a piece of shit, a piece mm-hmm. of crap, or like whatever like terms that you use. Mm-hmm. But then from the moment that you accepted that you can become what you think about, 
mm-hmm. and you, you surrounded yourself as well with the proper tools in order to do that, mm-hmm. then it became your reality. Yes, uh, I do believe that, I do believe something has to really propel you forward. And I remember, I remember sitting with my, sitting on a, it was so, <laughs> it was very poignant actually, because I sat on, you know, these big gym balls you have in, in, a, in a big gym, they're a big inflatable ball. You sit on them to, to, to un- make you unstable. So you have to engage your core. It was like, I was sitting on this one night and it was talking to my wife um, just before my first daughter was born. And this was funny because I goes, look what I'm sitting on. Uh, you know, this is an example of another failure. Like I bought this, uh, this thing from the internet. Oh, you're going to have rock hard abs from this, <laughs> this program. Like this was another uh, sign of failure. I said, here I am sitting on this thing. I should be enjoying this, but I'm, I, I'm actually here thinking right now that you'd be better off with no husband than a shit husband. And this little baby that's going to come into the world would be better off with no dad than a shit dad. And I, June was looking at me going, how in the name of God, where have these ideas come from? And so roll on a few years from that moment. Here I was, you know, meeting my idol, having this opportunity surrounded by people that I I really admire. And I was crumbling and, uh, you know, Mark, it's true. I, I, up until that point, even though I was after helping many people to, to get out of their own situation, I was quite stuck. And, um, it was the moment I made a decision that, you know, think, thinking in pictures really, really had been something I knew I was doing. I knew it was like a superpower that I could visualize a picture and make it happen. But I was never in love with what that meant. So many people would love to be able to do that, but I took it for granted. And then when I actually tapped into the fact that this is like a superpower, that this is a gift of mine, it actually took me away from my, you know, sadness that I was feeling about my life and all of this inward um I suppose I was like a, an egotist in, an, in a negative way rather than being an egotist you know loving himself I was an egotist hating myself and and it took me out of my own life and started making me think about the future that I could create for my wife and kids so I I read that same book as a man thinketh and he talks about the, the effects of thought on purpose so I just decided I'm going to have a look into my purpose here a little bit with the guidance of, of a good friend of ours, David Conway, I started looking into what my purpose was. And when I took myself out of the situation and said, let's, let's, let's create something big for my wife and kids, life just took a whole new meaning. And I became, um, I became very much in, in service of my, of my wife and kids and my parents, my siblings, uh, my fellow consultants. And it changed everything for me, Mark. You know, I, I actually gave myself the space to breathe and gave myself the space to to accept compliments and look at myself objectively and say, yeah, you're, you're actually a pretty good guy. And, and uh, I, I've come to believe that more and more every, with every passing day, for sure. I love this idea of superpower because we've been programmed that the only people that have superpowers, is those superheroes that they, they, they put on a pedestal and that mm. you have to go to cinema and the big screen in order to mm-hmm. see those guys. But mm. each and every one of us has this gift inside of them, mm. which the only thing that they need to do is to develop them. And, and when you're talking about superpower and you're thinking into picture, I want you to elaborate a little bit into that because I know that this is something that you've been working at and that you, you became really, really good at creating the picture of the life that you want to, to live. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, as again, like, you've heard the words like unconscious competent. I mean, some people are just born footballers, they're born speakers, they're born leaders. I was a born visualizer. Uh, I would daydream. And, you know, I had a pretty good rapport with my school teacher. He didn't seem to pick on me, but he used to kind of pick on other guys who'd be daydreaming, looking out the window. But my, my 
my imaginings and my my daydreams were were not really um just idle idle mind i was really think, thinking in a big way so for example if there's any irish people listening to this the school the school textbooks we had back in the 80s there was two characters ann and barry and they used to have these little toy cars and i used to picture my myself and my friend would walk home from school the, the one the one mile up the road together and i used to say to her you know I don't know what it is right now, but I know that in the future I'll be able to just like think about things and bring them to life. And she was like, you're weird, Declan. <laughs> and I says, she goes, well, why don't you think about those cars and we'll hop in and we'll drive up the road together. And it really used to, I was like, I can't know, but I will one day. It was weird, Mark. It's, it, it was like this knowingness inside of me that I could make things happen. And often myself and June, we, went, we did some backpacking together and I would often say to her, sweetheart, I've been here before and I, I've pictured this moment and you know, I, I would always picture the way things would work out for me in job interviews. I, I've always gotten every job interview I've ever gone for. I would visualize the meeting. So it was, I was good at it. I was always good at it. But then when, that's why Bob spoke to my soul. Like he spoke right to me because he started bringing people on stage as examples of people who, who had done this. And it's always nice, you know, if you're, if you're into fly fishing and you meet someone who likes fly fishing, there's always a bit of excitement, right? But for me, listening to this stuff on YouTube and story after story, it makes so many people turn away and go, ah, that doesn't work. But to me, I had a huge interest because I felt like it always worked for me. So I really have ranked this up in the last few years. I hired one of Bob's consultants to, to really help me to harness this power. When I, I remember having the consultation with her um, and she said, I'm actually getting goosebumps listening to you because I, I had told her of some of the examples whereby this had happened in my past and this power was flowing to and through me. And I was not, she goes, if we harness this power and we focus towards what you want, Declan, I mean, you're going to be very good at this. And within six weeks of her help, my clinic had gone from one or two appointments a day to like, you know, 10 a day and 19 on one day, which is insane. Like the, how it all turned up just from using my, my God-given ability. So I've, I've ranked this up to the stage that what I wanted to achieve in a quarter last year, which was intimidating to me, I'm looking at doing 10 times that volume in the same quarter this year. And it's not knocking a, a patch out of me because it's just like a muscle. You can build your bicep. Well, you can build this tool as well. Uh, the power of the subconscious mind, and the power of the imagination. And I'm doing that and not to impress anyone, but just because I can. Just because I can and I'm going to. And um, I suppose, Mark, the example you're thinking about is my house. Like it's, it's made of concrete and bricks and, and timber and labor. But to me, it's a living and breathing thing. Um, I visualized this. The bank was trying to not give me the mortgage. Uh, everything was going in my way and I just held the image and I just visualized myself in that. And it's there. I mean, I, I've shown people like three different groups of people. I've shown them around today because they're visiting and uh, I just love it. It's, it's, it will always be a monument to me that this works and no one's ever going to talk me out of it any other way. Everybody which is listening to this right now is probably thinking this is is it possible for me to be able to do this? Oh yeah, absolutely. If you have a, I would say to them this, right? Close your eyes right now. If you listen to this podcast, remember what you were doing on Christmas morning. Like who was the first one that opened the door of the living room to see Santa's presence? Then shoot forward four or five hours later, you know, picture opening the bottle of wine, picture doing a cracker with someone. If you can see a vision that clear, You've been there. Like the minute I started speaking those words, you went right back to that moment. Then you can visualize into the future as well. And some of my clients are like, you know, Declan, I'm poor at visualizing. And that's, that could be true for them right now, but we work on it and we build it. If you can picture something in the future and if you can get emotionally involved with that idea, 
don't be just looking for, you know, that's why this movie, The Secret, I, I don't think was the best representation of the law of attraction and law of vibration because it was really about the, um, the superficial aspects perhaps in life, you know. Um, really, I, I get my clients to think about, okay, if, I'll give you an example, Mark. One of my clients, she's just quit her job and decided to go out on her own uh, in the field of human resources. And she's got a beautiful little, little baby girl. And I was like, just think about what this is going to do for you and her and your husband in the future. But think about that to a certain extent. But now I want you to think about the people that you're going to help, the employees of the firms that you're going to help. Imagine they're stressed out dead, coming home happier because of the systems you've put in place in this place. So I really go deep with my clients on visualizations of the end result for others in the service mentality, in, in, in the giving of your gifts to the whole world. And I mean, the results are just ramping up and flying in um, all of the time now when they're detaching themselves like I did from the emotion of what if I fail? What if I succeed? Put it out to the whole giving and receiving. The more you give, the more you get. And that's been my, I suppose, rise and rise in, 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 with the company I'm with at the moment because I've taken myself out of it and I've done, how can I be of service to the world? How can I be of service to my fellow consultants? How can I be of service to my clients, their children, their friends, their family, their employees? And it just, that's what I would say to anyone listening to this. You can do this. You are doing it anyway. As it says in the, in the piece I just mentioned a while ago, you're either in the armory, you're, you're either making tools in the armory that you can build your heavenly mansions or you're making weapons by which you damage yourself. My thought energy was making weapons that was making this good human being, this good husband, this good son, this good father, tell himself he was a piece of shit. And now my harboring and my controlling of these thoughts, dispelling the ones that are non-productive and just getting, falling deeply madly in love with the ones that are productive are making me just vibrate on a whole different plane of understanding and, you know, turning up the results financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationship-wise, physically. Um, and do you know what, Mark? my life has slowed down. My results have speeded up and my, my, my results, sorry, my results have speeded up and my whole days have slowed down. They're long and slow and filled with moments where I just stop and think, I'm, I just love my life. And that is now, something I could not have imagined four years ago, five years ago. There's a couple of things that it's brought to my attention. First of all, you're talking about being of service and mm -hmm. that is a misconception from the majority of people is they don't understand that in order to get you need to be able to give and be of service to to humanity and if you look at the people which are the richest on this planet are all givers so that's mm -hmm. the first thing i would like you to to develop on but as well when you are very successful it seems that everything slows down. So you're going very, very fast. But because your mind is such as a higher frequency, a higher vibration, and if you don't understand this, you can just like shoot us a, a message and we can help you to understand that part. But because their mind is such a higher frequency, everything around you slows down. And I would like you to develop on those, those two uh, aspects because – that is very important to, to understand is the more you're going to get, the more results you're going to get, the more you, you will get. It, it just goes together. That's a law. Mm. So you need, to, you need to understand that it's not because that you have a lot in your plate mm -hmm. that all of a sudden you, 
you don't have any time for yourself. Actually, that's totally the opposite is you becoming more efficient at what you're doing and then everything is slows down and you, you do have more time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, Steve Jobs always says like you can, you can join the dots when you are looking back. You can't ever join the dots looking forward. So like I can look back now and I can see some key points, key turning points in my life. But certainly one of them was I was about 16 years of age and uh, Tiger Woods was, was in a small little lounge bar. I was the bartender. There was a, another guy tending bar with me. And next to him was the richest man in Ireland, a gentleman by the name of J.P. McManus. And they were actually paying for the whole bar. And I remember it was this very Orwellian type of a scene where there was this nouveau riche Irish people at the time. This was before the big bust we had in our country. And there was these people with lots of money. They were throwing it over the bar. They actually weren't. I tell a lie. They weren't throwing it over the bar. This, the richest man in Ireland was paying for the bar. And so was Tiger Woods. And these people were asking me for doubles and triples. And I was looking at it and I was like, well, he's the richest guy and he's lovely. And they're, the, they're not so rich and they're just being gluttonous. And I remember thinking it, money's not the root of all evil. Huh. Rich people don't get to the top, huh? And I remember being, I remember making the decision that day, you know, I would, I would look at people in a different way, a non-judgmental way, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be bound by some of the, the things about other people. I was still bound by my own thoughts about my own restrictions of myself, but I really admired, admired rich and successful people from that moment on. I didn't believe they got there because of greed, right? So one thing I learned from that is to, to be a good follower. And when I came to the company I came in, I started to look at the people who were in the top, and to a person, you know, I can mention like Brian, Karen, David, Doug, you know, all of these came, Eva, all these people, they were givers. They were people who did more than what the company asked of them or expected of them. And they seemed to be doing a lot better. Now, I didn't do it for my own gain, but it was just, I went, aha. It was like that 16-year-old boy going, aha. I looked at them and I thought, well, what can I do? And it just became, I listened, like Michael Beckwith says, you know, ask and listen. So I kind of closed my eyes and said, what should I do here? And it just became evident that there was a lot of consultants out there who would have loved to have done what I had done, which was achieve a level from January to May last year. Uh, and I said I would help a bunch of them to do that. Now, as it happens, my prayers were answered and I became a leader of a small group. But I just made a decision that I would help them and help them, but equally help myself and my wife and children. And it was weird. It was almost like the more I gave to God's other creatures, the more that God gave me, you know. Um, let me see, Mark, if that's, and then I suppose that's, yeah, so giving and receiving, the more I give out to the world, the more I received. One of my clients, actually, an amazing guy, he's a, a landscaper in, uh, in New Jersey, a guy called Pete Donahue. We're distant cousins, actually. And he goes out and gets uh, like 50 bucks of uh, these food cards. And whenever he's feeling kind of down about things, he just goes out and starts giving them to the homeless and doesn't ask anything. And, doesn't, and next thing he says, on Monday morning, he'll get, loads of calls and loads of business. And it's just, it's weird. It's like the giving and receiving thing. So that's, I suppose, two good examples of that one. And then Mark, you said about the speeding up and slowing down. Well, I don't know. I mean, I find I was always very high energy, extrovert, high pro like highly productive, but I was working my butt off. And I was, as Bob talks about like saturation, I was trading my time for money so therefore I needed, well, I said, if I want more money, then I have to give more time. And I was burning out and I was stressed. And it's like I, when I've slowed down my physical output, I'm using my mental factors and then I'm able to analyze things and I can say, well, hang on, I can multiply that by 10 and then multiply that by 10 in results. And how about I, how about I take an extra hour back for myself here? 
and just try that for a week and see how that works. And it's like, oh yeah, that works. So I'm buying myself more downtime and I'm increasing my, um, what would you call it? My productivity. Um, I hope that explains the points you were asking, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is exactly where I want to go with this because most mm. people think that if they want to have more results, they need to, to, put, to put more effort into it. But it's not necessarily in terms of effort, but being more productive into your activities and more focused into what you're doing. So then you can get the type of results that you want. Yeah, like what I used to do was I was doing personal development for quite a while in a sense that I was trying to build my life out of a fear of failure. Uh, you know, you mentioned two words, fuck up a while ago. Like I used to say, it, I have to do this. It was a survival mentality. It was a awareness of a lack. And I've come to obviously learn that you get more of what you think about. So I was thinking lack and getting lack, but working hard, trying to, you know, it was like trying to use um, a cup to bail out the Titanic. You know, it was just like, you're not, it's never going to happen. So eventually it was going to sink. And, and that's eventually the breaking point, I suppose, that I got to. But, um, you know, what starts to happen is you have to start somewhere. Like you've got to draw the line and just say enough is enough. And I drew the line. It was, it was, I said it was the moment I, was, I thought I was going to lose my, my temper and, and scream at the kids. It was just like I was at breaking point. And if like I really, I suppose, it's a story I've kind of kept back. But, you know, I'm honored that you've asked me on this. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lay it on the line for you. Like there was a time where I was so broke that I, I actually convinced one of my friends that it would be a good idea that he and I would, would split the cost of our refuse. And I mean, look at the, symbol, look at the symbolism in that. The, the rubbish that we're throwing away, you know, how about I don't spend money on throwing away my rubbish. You don't, like we, we split it and go 50-50. And I used to have to go over to his house and like throw my, my rubbish in his bin and jump up and down on it. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? What in the hell is, what is, what? like it was just cracking up time, you know, it was cracking up. But that's it, I mean, going from there to now in, in, in such a short space of time is is something that I sometimes pinch myself about, but all of it began with studying my mind. That's why you said, you know, anyone can do this. Would you agree, Declan? Oh, Jesus, yeah. If I could, they could. No question about it. Um, they should start somewhere. And the reason I'm getting to this point is going from there, I remember that Christmas was the time the four-hour working week came out. And looking at that and saying, well, that's a load of rubbish. And now being aware that it's totally possible. It's totally possible because it's not about you working four hours. It's that you work for four hours to direct maybe a whole team of people. Of course, you can work a, a one-hour working, working week, you know? Like how much does Richard Branson have to work now? But it doesn't happen like that. But it gets there. When you say that you have to, to pick a time that say enough is enough, would you agree that that time is now? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. That time is, that time is now. Um, and I, I, you know what, Mark? I don't have to repeat that too much because if there's someone who's listening to this podcast like I was, they're going to just be walking along with their dog or something and they're just going to be nodding their head. They know it already. And the thing is, all the answers are within us. But if, you're, if the knowingness is there that you need to make a shift, then now is the time. And actually, probably the last time you thought this thought, that was the time too. But the awareness needs to be there. Like Bob Proctor, I've heard him say so many times, you know, Napoleon Hill said, the master key to riches is, is within this chapter if you're willing to receive it. And I went over that chapter and I went over that chapter and I went over that chapter. But it would be like as if I was dropped in a city now that was speaking Creole and never having had one lesson. Like when I first read Think and, Think and Grow Rich, um, 
I had no awareness. So I couldn't have taken these words, but now I read it and the words are jumping up at me. So you've got to increase your awareness by starting now, or you should have started last week, or you should have started six months ago, but that's fine. I have no regrets that I took 35 years to learn because I love the lessons I've learned because there is, there is a law of polarity and the law that I, like, that I know how good things are. I'm so grateful for things now because I know how shitty things were. Um, and I'll, I'll be forever grateful for all of the moments that have helped me to, to get to this point, no matter how tough they were, no, no matter how tough. Declan, what would you say to someone which is really in the, the shit hole right now, you know, is in the doghouse mm-hmm. and is just mm-hmm. thinking, I, there's, there's, no, there's no way I can get out of it. Like, what would you say to that person? Well, Mark, it's very funny you asked me that question because I, 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 I spoke with a couple of guys and we really are thinking about doing something on this because in the country I live in, I'm a 38-year-old man, a 38-year-old father of three. And really sadly, there have been guys my age and younger, uh, young Irish men in particular. It's like a, an epidemic at the moment that really isn't being talked about enough in our country that are, that are going out and taking their lives. So, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone does it lightly, but... Jesus, I mean, if I could reach those people in any way, if there's any one of you guys listening to this right now, you've got to, you've got to just start, you've got to just start realizing that you have, you have God-given perfection within you. Uh, when I was in pain, Mark, and I needed, I needed inspiration that wasn't within me, I used to look at a, two very good Irish examples of people who had actual physical disabilities but were defying the odds. But still, that wasn't enough. That used to pull me through and get me to stop feeling sorry for myself but that wasn't going to get me any results. I needed to look within myself and my own example. And I'm telling you, if you're listening to this now and you're stuck, you have got deep reservoirs of abundant potential within you. I love the way I'm living my life now. Four years ago, I thought my wife would be better off without me coming in the door in the evening. And that's not just ranking up the emotion here. This was a true fact. And if you were sitting beside me, we could have a great honest chat about that. I thought I was to punch walls and thinking I was useless to this world. And now I've helped 65 people this year to discover Bob Proctor's material. We have such great energy. They're creating businesses. They're doubling their income. They're writing books. All because I made the decision to step out of my own shadow, uh, to, to break out of the shell of, of, of pain I was feeling. And you can do it too. And you better start doing it because there is a flipping amazing country out there, an amazing world to live in. And you've got everything you need within you and you've all the resources around you. But you just have to start getting some help. And I'm telling you, you're going to need a telescope to look back and see even, even 12 weeks from now, your life could be so different. Declan, thank you so much for this. I think that uh, the people which have been listening to this got great value and seen a living proof that anybody can change their life. It doesn't matter where they were. It's all about taking a decision and starting where you are right now. Yeah. And Mark, I suppose my closing statement would be, and I only, like, I only feel that I'm scratching the surface of my potential. But that was a word I didn't feel I would ever reach. And it's taken a, a very, very short time, but the, it's all there to be had. Just go, go, go after it. Go after it right away. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Declan. My pleasure, sir. Anytime. Cheers. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review and subscribe to never miss a future episode of After Dark with Mark. As well, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mark Jospitre.